Shema Yisrael. Welcome to the broadcast outreach of Living God Ministries with Aaron Budgen. Aaron discovered Jesus is his Messiah while preparing to be a rabbi. He now teaches for several organizations and is the teaching pastor for Living God Ministries. Strongly distinguishing between the Old and New Covenants, Aaron presents the scriptures from a Judaic and historical frame of reference. Join Aaron now as he reveals the reality foreshadowed and the new life we can now experience because of what the Lord Jesus accomplished for us. When it comes to evangelism, when it comes to speaking to people about the Lord Jesus and the gospel, sometimes the gospel is presented as if it is a bait and switch. And what I mean by that is that in many cases, in many cases, what people will do is they will bait a person in to Christianity with one message, but once they have been brought in to the church, once that happens, then there is a switch where the person is then given a different message than what they were given before. And in general, that message is much more depressing than the message that they had received prior. The bait-and-switch mechanism is something that is often used as a sales tactic in order to get customers into a particular business. They will attract customers on the basis of a promise, and once the customer arrives, they discover that the promise is not as real as they thought it was, and instead the salesperson will then switch something else to replace that which was offered before through the advertisement. So also this happens in the church where we often attract people on the basis of one message, but then we switch another message on them, and in that way, many people feel as though they have been deceived. I'll give you one example. When it comes to the subject of evangelism, we often talk about coming to Christ Jesus, that the Lord Jesus wants you to come to him, because if you don't, then your blood is on your own hands. But then after you come to Christ Jesus, we normally want to encourage you, to go out and evangelize other people and tell them about the gospel message. And so we claim that their blood is on your hands. And so before you got saved, your blood is on your hands. But then after you get saved, everybody else's is. And you had better go and save the entire world. Otherwise, the Lord Jesus is going to ask you why you didn't bother taking any time to go and reach out to other people. This also happens in subtler ways. For example, when it comes to the subject of forgiveness, we talk about forgiveness in the sense that before you come to Christ Jesus, your sins are definitely held against you, and then once you come to Christ Jesus, he will forgive you of all of your sins. But then after you have come to Christ Jesus, then all of your sins after that point are still held against you, and you must find some way to obtain forgiveness, even though he already forgave you. And so you get baited in with the truth that the Lord Jesus does not hold any of your sins against you, But then there's a switch that takes place, which is to say that now that you have come to Christ, he now holds all of your sins against you, and you need to consistently make short accounts with God or find ways of getting forgiven, confessing and asking for forgiveness, confessional systems, things like that, in order to try to sustain your right standing with your God. And most of the important subjects of Christianity do get related in this way. There is often a bait of some kind and then a switch. One of the most common topics that are brought up within a church setting has to do with a person's sin, has to do with the sin in their life. In fact, most congregations of Christians, of people, are generally totally preoccupied with trying to figure out how to stop sinning. That's their their purpose in life. That's what they do. That's why they believe they are Christians, is because that's what their life is devoted to. 
And when the person first comes to Christ, we say that this person has been sanctified, that this person has been made holy in God's eyes because he no longer sees them in the midst of their sinfulness. And because of that, they have a place in the kingdom of heaven. And the only reason why this is true is because Jesus died for their sins. But then there's a switch that often gets placed on people. And what this switch is, is that now that you are positionally sanctified, now that you are positionally forgiven, now that is your position, that is your status between you and your God, now that that has finally occurred, now that this has happened, now we're going to say that you are practically unsanctified, that from a practical point of view, you are not sanctified, you are not holy. From a practical point of view, your God does hold your sins against you. And so positionally, that may be the case, but practically, no, that is not the case. And once you believe that, once you believe, for example, when it comes to sanctification, and what I mean by sanctification is that you are holy before your God, that your God sees you as perfect, as holy, he does not see your sin at all. That is being sanctified. It means that you have been set apart from the world, set apart from everyone, to say that the world, that the people in the world, that the people who have rejected the gospel are definitely in one category, and those who have believed in the Lord Jesus, who have accepted the gospel, are in another category. That you have been set apart, and you have been set apart for a particular purpose. You have been set apart for an intended purpose, and that purpose is to be a child of God. But what people will say is they will say, now to be, then you have to get all of the sin out of your life. You have to find a way now to become more practically sanctified. And so positionally that may be the case, but that is only going to be realized. The benefit of your positional sanctification will only be of benefit to you when you physically die. But between now and then, If you want to receive anything from your God, if you want to receive any benefit of having a relationship with your God, if you want to receive any blessings in your life, if you want to avoid the discipline or the punishment of God for your sins, then you have to overcome your sin and you have to become practically sanctified. And then people will dispense to you a list of things that you should start doing and a list of things that you should stop doing. And with the knowledge of good and evil, you can go out and you can be the kind of Christian that they want you to be. And that becomes the life of a Christian. This is the life of a Christian in most churches and in most congregations today. But if the attraction of blessings while you are here on earth, or the threat of punishment while you are here on earth, or perhaps even the threat of not getting any rewards in heaven when you physically die, or the promise of getting rewards in heaven when you physically die, if those things don't inspire you enough to stop sinning, then what many people turn to is shame. That's what many people will turn to. They will say that we need to bring you to shame, to make you feel ashamed. And so if you feel really ashamed, then perhaps you will stop sinning. That becomes another strategy or another tactic. There are many strategies, many tactics that people try to employ. And people try to bring this upon themselves, too. They really believe that they need someone in their life, some leader, some pastor, somebody important in their lives who will be there for them to make them feel ashamed of their sins. This is often revealed within accountability groups, whereas people will assemble together and they will hold each other accountable, which means that they will all get together and they will all report to one another and tell each other if they have sinned or if they have not sinned. And because 
they expect that they are going to come together and be honest with each other, then between the time of now and the time when they assemble together, they believe that they will be able to say no to the temptations of sin because they know that they are going to be questioned. Somebody's going to question them and ask them, did they commit that sin or did they not commit that sin? And so out of the expectation of being ashamed or out of the desire to be honest with these other people, that will keep a person from sinning. And of course, this doesn't work. I mean, you can certainly get somebody's flesh under control, but you don't change anybody's heart because there's no way that a person's heart is going to be changed by making them ashamed. I mean, if it would work, I would be in favor of it. If I could shame you into changing your heart, if I could make you so ashamed of the sin in your life that you would actually stop committing that sin because you truly wanted to, then I would use that tactic. I would be in favor of it. But I've never seen that happen. I've never seen that really work. I have seen people get their flesh under control to a certain extent, but their heart has never truly been changed. There has never been a transformation of an individual through shame. I've never seen that happen. Again, if it would work, I would be in favor of it. I would be using it absolutely in lots of people's lives. Many people would pay me for that. They would love to pay me for that, to set them free from the burdens in their life because I would make them feel ashamed. Come to me, and so I can make you feel as ashamed as possible. So through that, you will finally stop sinning. And it's just unreal. It's absolutely unreal. And yet there are many people who really believe that this is the Christian life. But when you read in Hebrews, in chapter 2, there's a very powerful verse that is written here that says something very different. In Hebrews chapter 2, verse 11, it says, For both he who sanctifies... And those who are sanctified are all from one Father, for which reason he is not ashamed to call them brethren. Now, how could he truly say this if we were not already completely sanctified? And how could he say this if we were to live a life of being ashamed? Because he says very clearly that it is God himself who sanctifies And it is us who are sanctified, and that he is not ashamed of us. That's what it says. Think about that for a moment. If you believe that you can become sanctified, if you believe that you can experience some sense of progressive sanctification in your life, that you can do anything, or you can stop doing anything, in order to make yourself more sanctified, then what that means is that you are the one who is making yourself sanctified. But he says very clearly right here that it is him, it is our God, who sanctifies. So how is he going to sanctify you? Is he going to sanctify you by changing your heart into stop sinning? Well, if that's the case, then when is this going to happen? When will this ever occur? Now, I do believe that our God will change our hearts in such a way that we can say no to sin. There is no question about that in my mind whatsoever. But if you take a close look at your life, you're going to find that, first of all, he doesn't do this with all of the sin in your life. And second of all, even though you may find some sense of victory through the transformation of who you are as a being, that doesn't mean that you will never, ever commit that sin again. It doesn't mean that. And if you don't believe me, then the only reason that I can think of that you would not believe me when I say that, the only reason why 
would be because you're an immature Christian who hasn't been walking in the faith for very long, and you just need to be a Christian for a little bit longer until you realize that your God may certainly do a work within you, but he's not going to make you perfect in the sense of making you totally holy and sanctified from a fleshly point of view. You will find that your flesh is within you, it is always there, it will always be there until you physically die, and you will always have a struggle with sin throughout your entire life. And if you will recognize that, then you will recognize that there is nothing that you will be able to do to sanctify yourself, and your God will never be able to do anything in order to sanctify you in that way either. There is no way that that is ever going to happen. And so if you believe that your sanctification is something that you pursue or achieve from a fleshly point of view, then you will never obtain it. The only thing that is left is for your God to just simply declare you to be sanctified. And once he sanctifies a person, they are sanctified. That is past tense. So when people refer to this as a lifelong process, I believe they have to either be dishonest or deceived in order to believe that. And I do believe that the longer that they are Christians, they will eventually come to realize the truth that as time goes on, they truly are just as evil as they were before. The only difference would be that they have grown to know their God, which to me is the objective of the Christian life. So in verse 11, when he says, For both he who sanctifies and those who are sanctified, you are the one who is sanctified, and he is the one who did the sanctification. And this is either an accomplished fact, or it will never be. And so if people want to live their lives thinking that one day they'll at least get close to it, then they still will live a life of trying to experience something that will never be. But I sincerely believe that when the writer says this, he is referring to the totality of sanctification, that he has sanctified all people who have been born again by the Spirit as a child of God. And that is why he says, and those who are sanctified are all from one Father. As Jesus was the Son of God, so also I am a Son of God, and you are a child of God, and we are all from the same Father, who has made us alive by the indwelling presence of His Spirit. We have been born again as children of God, and that is our sanctification. But in addition to that, as you keep reading in verse 11, it says, For which reason... He is not ashamed to call them brethren. In other words, he is not ashamed of us. He is not ashamed of us at all. And so while there are so many believers, so many true Christians who have been born again by the Spirit, who live a life of shame, they are totally, absolutely ashamed. So while that is happening, the only reason why it is happening is because they have been deceived. They have been deceived into believing that the more ashamed they are of their sin, they will stop sinning. Then they discover that they will never stop sinning. And so they feel even more ashamed and more hopeless because they're honest. That's the only way that that's going to happen. A person will be honest. And they will see that their God should be ashamed of them if they can't get all the sin out of their life according to that theology. 
And so the only thing that you'll have left is to trust and depend on the mercy of God. And when he says here in verse 11, for which reason he is not ashamed to call them brethren, what he means is is that he has sanctified you so that he is not going to be ashamed of you. Or to say it differently, he is not ashamed of you because he has already sanctified you. Understand that. Your God is not ashamed of you because he has already sanctified you. If you are ashamed, if you are ashamed before your God, then it can only be because you don't believe that he has sanctified you as he is the only one who can possibly sanctify you. You don't believe that. You don't believe that. Now, why wouldn't you believe that? There is only one reason why you wouldn't believe that. And that would be if you do not understand that he does not hold your sins against you. You see, if he does hold your sins against you, if he still holds your sins against you, well, then you're going to have to do something in order to fix these sins that he holds against you. You will. You'll have to do something. Otherwise, he will forever be disgusted with you. And so if you believe that he holds your sins against you, well, then you do not believe that he has already forgiven you of all of your sins. And the only way you can believe that he has not forgiven you of all of your sins is if you don't believe in what he did on the cross. If you don't believe that he died for all of your sins, past, present, and future, on the cross, then you don't believe in the cross. You don't believe in the crucifixion of the Lord Jesus. You don't believe in the forgiveness that he has offered to you. That's how it goes. And so if you see a Christian who is ashamed before their God, what you see is you see someone who does not truly believe in the crucifixion of the Lord Jesus for their sins. Because if they are ashamed then they are ashamed only because they do not know that they have been fully sanctified by the only person who can sanctify them, and it definitely is not them. And the only reason why they don't believe that they have been sanctified is because they don't believe in what Jesus did for them. They believe in what they think they can do for him. That's the bottom line. So if you will believe the truth that you have been forgiven, if you will believe the truth that he is the one who has sanctified you because he doesn't hold any of your sins against you anymore, and he never will, then you are fully, completely sanctified on that basis. Then, for that reason, then you can believe the truth that he is not ashamed of you. He is not ashamed of you at all. And he never will be under any circumstances. What do you think? Do you think somebody goes before the Lord every once in a while and asks them, so, do you know so-and-so? Do you know this person here on earth? And I'm thinking about you. That's what I'm thinking about. And the Lord says, yeah, I know that person. Yeah, I I, I know them. I know. I'd rather not think about that person very much, you know, because they still have that one sin that they just, they know they can stop doing it and they won't do it. They just know that. And I know that too. And I just, I just wish that one day they would just stop that. I mean, it's just a small sin, but could they at least just stop that one I would think that they would do that. And so until then, let's let's talk about somebody else. How about so-and-so? Let's talk about this person. I like this person a little bit better. What does that mean? That means that he's ashamed of you. That's what that means. But you know what? That is not true. If anybody goes before the Lord today, even the devil himself, if anybody goes before the Lord and they confront him over you and they want to accuse you of anything whatsoever to make the Lord feel ashamed of you, 
His response to this question is very simple. The question of, do you know this person? And the Lord would say, oh yes. Oh yes. Yes, that person is mine. Yes, you, referring to you as that person, you are mine. You are my child. You are the person who I love. You are one of my most precious possessions that I will ever have during any course of time that can possibly be measured. Throughout the entire existence of eternity, you will always be my precious possession. And I will be so thankful that you are in my life. And I am so pleased to know you. And I am so thankful that you are in my family and that I can call you my child. And as the Lord Jesus, my brethren, my brother, my sister, you are mine. And I am not ashamed of you at all. What do you have to accuse this person of? What could that possibly be? How dare you? Who do you think you are? Don't you know that I am the one who took upon the penalty for that sin? I am the one who died for that sin. I am the one who has taken responsibility for that. I am the one who has taken that away. So who do you think you are to bring up something like that? I'm not going to be ashamed of this person. I fully accept this person, and I always will. And there will never be anything or anybody, not even them, who will ever cause a separation between me and my child. That's what he thinks. I really believe that that's what he thinks. I really believe it. And we know, I believe we can know that this is true if we trust in the forgiveness that he has given. And we believe that sin has been dealt with, that the entire subject of sin is completely over. And what's that going to do in your life? I know what that's going to do. If you will embrace that, if you will believe that and acknowledge that and recognize that, then it will set you free. It will set you free in the deepest part of your being. Why would you bother pursuing sin? Why would you bother pursuing the acceptance of other people or the love that would be offered from other people? Why would you be dishonest? Why would you be deceptive? Why would you lie? Why would you steal? Why would you commit adultery? Why would you commit murder? Why would you do any of that stuff? If you are in the arms of your God who loves you and accepts you and is not ashamed of you, Why bother pursuing any of those things thinking that you're going to experience some sense of peace or satisfaction when you can experience the perfect peace, the perfect rest, the perfect holiness and sanctification of your God? You can experience this right now if you will only believe the truth that he is not ashamed of you and he never will be. And so when you hear anybody say anything to you that makes you feel ashamed. Now, I understand that we commit sin, and I understand that it is very shameful. That's not what I'm referring to. What I'm saying is is that, look, if you want to get the sin out of your life, great, but you're never going to get it out that way. It's never going to happen. All it's going to do is stir up more sin. There is another way. There are other ways. I've talked about this in many programs that I have done. The series that I did on overcoming sin is a good example, and I talked about sanctification at the end of that series. There are ways to overcome sin, and those are not it. They never were, they never have been, and they never will be. But that's not what this life is about. That's not what this relationship with your God is about. 
this relationship that you have with your God is not about getting the sin out of your life. It's about knowing your God and being at peace and being at rest and being thankful and living a life on the basis of being at peace and being at rest and being thankful. That's what this is about. If you will live that way, certainly sin will be reduced in your life. There's no need to make people feel ashamed. My goodness, again, if it would work, I would be in favor of it, but it doesn't anyway, so why do we keep at it? Why do we keep trying? Why do people keep redoubling their efforts after they've lost sight of the goal, the goal of knowing their God? Instead, they let that go, and they try to know themselves, and they try to overcome life by themselves, and they try to get their flesh under control and forget all about their God. They forget about Him. And they have reason to forget about him because they become so preoccupied with themselves that they have no opportunity to grow to know him. None at all. And why would they? Why would they want to know a God who's ashamed and disgusted with them? Why would they want to spend any time with him at all? And so it's all self-defeating. It's self-defeating anyway. Your God loves you perfectly. He always has and he always will. Again, in Hebrews chapter 2, verse 11, For both he who sanctifies and those who are sanctified are all from one Father, for which reason he is not ashamed to call them brethren, saying, I will proclaim your name to my brethren. In the midst of the congregation I will sing your praise. And again, I will put my trust in him. And again, I and the children whom God has given me. Therefore, since the children share in flesh and blood, he himself likewise also partook of the same, that through death he might render powerless him who had the power of death that is the devil. He has set you free from the devil. He has set you free from condemnation. He has set you free so that you can know him. Do not underestimate the significance of what I'm going to say, and that is that you can get all of the sin out of your life You can become totally sinless in your flesh and still not know your God and go before him in heaven and say with great honesty that you don't know who he is. And so take this seriously. And if you haven't already, you start by taking seriously the forgiveness that he has given to you and trust in it. You have been listening to the broadcast outreach of Living God Ministries. You can hear all of our programs for free through our radio archive at livinggodministries.net. That is, livinggodministries.net. Do help us develop new radio programs and continue broadcasting on this and other radio stations. Send your contributions to Living God Ministries, P.O. Box 38353, Colorado Springs, Colorado. 80937 or use the donation link on our website livinggodministries.net that is livinggodministries.net